One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Return of the Show. I'm Ben, and I'm here with my co-host, Alex, on um, what is going to be probably one of the saddest reviews we have to do. Big sad. Big sad. The entire episode, like, I went into this, and I was completely like, you know what? I'm here for some zombies. There's going to be some scary stuff. Last episode was super frightening, and the preview for this one made it seem like it was going to be the same exact energy. It was not. No. (laughs) (laughs) I came here for zombies. (laughs) Not the feels. I I didn't. Yeah. I, uh, so, on just opening thoughts on this and of course if you aren't if you don't know what we're talking about we're talking about episode three of the last of us um alex you've played the games before it is my understanding that this is the most massive departure how prepared were you for this yeah so i didn't play the games i watched gameplay so big difference because i am very bad at playing video games um (laughs) but yeah usually uh i watched the original the first game kind of close to when it came out. So I've been going back and watching um, gameplay like after each of the episode comes out. 
One, I just like didn't even fucking bother with this episode. I'm like, I really don't care. But I did look that up. And yeah, it's uh, we don't ever really see Frank. We see his dead body in the game. Um, And you don't really know that like the two of them were in love. It's kind of hinted at, but like it's not a big part. So this is like a really big departure. But I mean, holy fucking shit <laughs> so it's so so beautiful i mean this is like it kind of reminds me of um san bernardino in the first season of um black mirror where it's like all these episodes of like horror and like near future like bleakness and then you get one episode that is like this incredible love story and you're not expecting it because it's a <laughs> this is supposed to be a scary show <laughs> it's not that is yeah okay so for also for context for our listeners um the episode came out last night on the 29th it is currently the 30th i watched it last night you woke up this morning and watched it and then just kind of walked into this podcast so <laughs> yeah for alex it's a little bit raw for me i have just been like going through the my normal social media trend and like everyone everyone's just crying collectively on my for you page right now on tiktok and instagram and we can all just agree this episode ah, we're feeling it yeah we're feeling it i mean it's I, it's so good it's so good. It was. It's a really phenomenal episode of television. I feel like it's going to go down as like one of the greats. Again, like I said, San Bernardino was nominated for an Emmy. Um, it's going to go down as like a really great episode of television, like The Suitcase for Mad Men, or just like specific episodes that stick out and people kind of go back to as great storytelling, great writing. Um, I, I because it's just so good. I and I was surprised too because, you know, I was like, okay, the pilot was like an hour and a half. Now the episodes are going to be an hour and this episode I think is like hour an hour and 22 minutes, something like that. Yeah. Um so I was like, wow, okay, it's long. And it wasn't long enough. I <laughs> I I I needed more time with them and like the way that they just make you fall in love with Bill and Frank throughout it and just like Frank's introduction uh it's it's executed so well. So real quick before we get too much into Bill and Frank, I do think that it would be doing us a disservice if we didn't talk about it in the actual context that it exists within the show because ultimately speaking, this episode as beautifully standalone as it is is part of a larger story. So we pick up the episode off with Joel and Ellie, and the first thing that we're kind of, like, really thrown into is that not-apology from Ellie, where she invokes it by, like, bringing up Tess immediately, which obviously— I think it's, like—yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish your thought. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I was just going to say, obviously, it's, like, still a raw emotion for the audience, especially if you're going through a binge session. Because if mm-hmm. you're binging, the last thing that you just saw was Tess's death. And then you would be going raw right into this. Yeah. I even, um, I was like really struck by the very, very beginning of this episode. When you have Joel, he's like putting his hand that we have to assume has a, at least a couple hairline fractures in it um, in the like cold stream. And then he's stacking 
the stones and there's just something so human and like just like leaving a piece of like I was here that really just like I don't know that he just like right off the top that really got me it's like he's having a moment alone somebody who really walls off their feelings and just like cooling off his hand and like stacking those stones really something about that really moved me and then to immediately kind of go into Ellie and I don't know because it's from her perspective she doesn't know this guy and I kind of think she's right I to be like you know yeah no I agree because Ellie Ellie didn't want any of this. Ellie was like essentially kidnapped by the Fireflies and then the Fireflies gave her to Joel and Tess and then Tess dies while moving her. Like she's like, hey, I've been thinking about it. I'm contraband. Do not blame this on me. And it's interesting. Yeah, because I think they- part of that, part of that definitely comes from it's not like Joel has been an emotional person thus far. I mean, I really don't, you know, she's, I think part of why she's saying this is because Joel is the way he is. You know, if he was, like, distraught, I don't think she would be saying that or maybe not quite in that way. Um, But he is a very practical person, and I think she has to put out there because she probably also wants to suss out, like, is this guy going to kill me? Is this guy going to kill me? Yeah. I mean, I I think from her point, like, and – to be fair, there is nothing more frightening than um, uh, men that, like, really, really bottle up their feelings. Uh, yeah. Like, that's... I, I feel like you don't need to be, like, the most experienced person to know that, like, Joel definitely just lost his partner. There's not really too much debate about that. And mm-hmm. he is definitely, like, he's not even letting out a scream in his, like, private moments. He's not, like, he's not expressing any of those feelings in that moment. So for her, it's like, yeah, I'm going to get it out there. Hopefully he's practical. And then if I get any red flags from this, I'm probably going to try and run away. Because this would just be bad. And, like, I the way that that scene just kind of happens where she's like, it's not my fault. And he like, he doesn't fight it. You can see that he's bottling up those feelings more and more in that moment. And then they just kind of move on. Like, I feel yeah, like cause I think a- he agrees with her too, because yeah. I obviously would be very easy to, but she's just a kid. So at the end of the day, he has to be like, you're right. So I can't be mad at you about this because it's, not your fault. You didn't put anyone. She didn't put anyone in this situation. She's been put in this situation. Exactly. And I I just think that like that opening up and then especially like as we go throughout the rest of this opening bit and then even in the closing, it's just such a good bookend to the actual uh, to the actual episode and like really helps frame Bill and Frank, in my opinion, that we start out with these friction mm-hmm. between these two characters. Um, yeah, and uh, in the game, uh, they kind of have to, like, go through some of the, like, booby traps. Like, that's part of the gameplay. And some people are pointing out, like, you they kind of grow a little more united over kind of, like, doing that. And then Bill is, like, uh, very paranoid. Um, but I think there's some really beautiful moments, 
like small things that we get from these characters about how they are growing closer. And so like even in the beginning, she like has his jacket and then she like offers it back. And I don't know. And throughout the episode, there's a couple of things, but that's like kind of the start of like, I think, you know, he's not just treating her like shit or anything. Yeah. And I think one of the actually like really beautiful moments for me on that was when she's like, you got to ride in a plane and like the amount of excitement that she has about that, how what, what she has about the car at the end of the episode and the fact that he kind of leans into it and like does treat her like a child that she is. Yeah, I, he he doesn't baby her. I, he just treats her like she's her age and a normal kid. Yeah. And I, of course, I would think there's something extremely endearing about it's almost like uh, and they have her ask a lot of questions. And I was like, she kind of reminds me of like a toddler, but she kind of is a toddler to the world <laughs> in that like she has no idea what a plane like or she knows what a plane is. But I mean, that concept is so foreign to her. So I think that's something that's very like endearing. And of course, it would bring them a little bit closer where he's like, wow, like you really don't know anything. <laughs> Yeah. And at the same time, like, there's still obviously plenty of room for conflict to grow. We have the entire scene at Joel's stash mm-hmm. where she finds the uh, she finds the infected in the basement, doesn't tell Joel that there even is that basement, just goes ahead, stabs it in the head and then leaves and kind of like, I'm not 100 percent sure how I feel about it, because I can't tell if I'm trying to read Ellie as wanting to feel powerful in that situation or deriving pleasure from that situation. Yeah, that was probably one of the more wild Tampax Pearl commercials I've ever seen. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's like a lot of discourse online uh, on, on Reddit. And personally, I um, I don't know, some people were suggesting that it acted a little more docile, like if it thought she was an infected or if oh. it was just trying to communicate, like, it just wishes it was dead. And could she understand that? Which, I mean, I don't know. <sighs> Maybe we'll get more of that. I don't know. But that, to me, it just seems like, I, you know, this is her chance in a safe way to kill something for the first time. And, like, get it over with. That and is- now that she's done it, she'll be better at protecting herself is what I read into it. I feel like a lot of people are like, she's a mentally ill. She's so dark. And it's like, (laughs) okay, well, first of all, yes, I think anybody who grew up in this world would be dark, but I don't know. Personally, I didn't read it that way. No, I, I do get that. My, I am holding some judgment on this because while we are seeing some slightly darker sides of Ellie throughout these episodes, there is a lot to say about, growing up in the apocalypse and i think that i i can't say that like ah she's evil or ah she's like so fuck she's like super fucked up because at the same time we have these really endearing scenes where she's learning about these things and we can see just kind of this really childlike wonder that she possesses at the time and it's also not like she's torturing no the yeah. thing like she does like the little cut on the head and it's like just fungus underneath and then just like one, one and done. Um, So, I mean, that was, that was purposeful, obviously. 
I I didn't realize this until I started watching The Last of Us. Um, so I always knew that like one of my like fears is um kind of typophobia, the like fear of like when you see like holes or things that are like mounded through people, uh, usually like mm-hmm. associated with like worms and stuff. Like for yeah. me, a lot of like fiction that has to do with like bugs and people or just <laughs> bugs in general really grosses me out and gets under my skin. I wasn't expecting the same thing to happen with the body horror of fungus in this way. But um, yeah, I, I squirmed that entire scene. I <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's so disturbing. It, it's kind of like, I mean, and it almost gives you the sense like... <sighs> That's not a person anymore. It's just like a mushroom wearing a human skin, <laughs> basically. <laughs> like not even I, like almost literally. Yeah, it's- like just under the surface of the skin, it's not even human anymore. So, and God, it's I will say the infected as a zombie, um, as a zombie concept, really good. I'm like. I always knew that Last of Us players were really adamant about how different these zombies were compared to most zombies in media, and I get it. This is it, it, there is a major difference in how the horror works. There's a major difference in just the sort of ideological, not the ideological, but the philosophical meaning behind these zombies as opposed to others. It's it, it's really good, and like even in the one moment that we have a zombie interaction or an infected interaction here. It plays out really, really well. Um, but we also learn uh, one of the other really horrifying things is Fedra and what they did to you if you didn't make it to a quarantine zone, which incidentally is also how we begin to learn about Bill. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's I, brutal. I kind of figured that it was going to be the case that they were just off people if they didn't have uh the ability to go to a quarantine zone. I mean, we kind of get that in the first episode where, you know, that's the whole reason his daughter is killed basically, because it's like, well, we don't really care. (laughs) It's interesting because like Fedro, which I guess kind of would have been the equivalent of the, um, of like the world health organization, or in this case, the, uh, I think it's supposed to be like FEMA. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. It would be FEMA. They just changed a part of the acronym, actually. That makes perfect That makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, but it's supposed to be FEMA, and the, the fact that they would be this discordant and just, like, this much of a numbers game, also post-COVID, very terrifying, because it does feel yeah. like something that would happen now that we have lived through a real pandemic. But, Bill, that man was prepared. First thing, yeah. we, first thing we need about him is just the shot of him in his bunker in his second basement with all of those guns. Like, I have never had a more hardcore introduction to him. Also, the I the other thing that I just had a really hard time with the entire episode is I cannot divorce him from Ron Swanson. From community. It's a little hard. And he's also just playing like a very rugged man. So <laughs> the comparison is, uh, it's hard to not compare. It's funny too, because have you watched White Lotus? I have not watched White Lotus. Okay. So um, the guy who plays Frank, uh, Murray Bartlett, he's in the, he's Armand 
in the first episode of White Lotus. I almost didn't recognize him because he's blonde in White Lotus. Um, but yeah, the first time I saw him, I was like, Armand, what are you doing here? <laughs> I love the kind of juxtaposition of this doomsday prepper who's just, uh, you know, on his own, doing his own thing, prepared for this his whole life. It's here, and now he's doing great. And then he meets someone who, oh, this was something I was thinking about earlier. It's so interesting that Frank says um, the Baltimore, Baltimore like QZ is gone, but he yeah. doesn't say why. And I'm interested to see if maybe this was mentioned in the games or if it'll be mentioned later on. Like, did it get overrun by infected? Was it overrun by like raiders or people who are like just taking it over? Yeah, I'm. I mean, like two things on the Baltimore QZ. Um, there's any number of things that could happen. I don't know if Ellie and Joel's journey ever leads there, but it also establishes that the QZ zones can and will fall in different circumstances, mm-hmm. which is a story element that we haven't previously entertained. Because even the the Fireflies are doing a really really bad job overtaking the Boston QZ zone. Like that's well established in episode one. So the idea that they could fall, it makes me feel like, well, it can't be the Fireflies because they're incompetent, or at least they are in Boston. So what can take down a QZ zone? Is it just a swarm of infected? But like, yeah, or just an infect, you know, one infected person makes it back in and infects others. And it just like, you know, from the inside out, because they're not shy about killing people. So. Unless people didn't realize until it was a little too late and they're getting overrun. Um, I No, I agree. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. It opens up the door for later in the story. We know that these QZ zones might not necessarily be safe. So, and another important thing is that this was essentially like 17 years ago when this happened. So it is possible now that Fedra kind of has a little bit more of a groove on keeping lockdown in place. But it still opens up that storytelling possibility. Uh, the other thing I'd like to comment on really quickly is, was Bill really doing okay on his own? Um, Cause like, you know, he's doing better than a lot of people. That is true. You, you know, I will give him, like, he's alive. He's doing good. But, like, the fact is... is he's that enjoying s- levels of comfort uh, that most people are not enjoying. Okay, I I will very much give it that. My only thought with him is he does have it. Like, the fact is is that the second he sees Frank in that pit is a moment where he starts to realize... You you can immediately start just realizing that just based off of how awkward he is and his demeanor towards Frank, that he hasn't been or seen another person in years and years and years. I mean, yeah, he's like... He's so starved for human connection, for sure. Um, also, the line about uh, <laughs> free lunch, this isn't an Arby's. And he's like, okay, well, it wasn't a free lunch at Arby's. That was a restaurant. <laughs> so funny. I, um, yeah. And what it, like, ugh. So, it's so good. He's so awkward. I love the scene where he's leaving the clothes on the bed. And he's like, talking to him and has to kind of like yell a little bit he i mean i I think nick offerman is 
going to be nominated perhaps for an Emmy for this role. His reaction when he tries the strawberries, I just felt like I – like. I'm like, oh, yeah, I so believed that he hadn't had strawberries in decades. Yeah, it was, oh. It was so beautiful. The acting in this episode was, I mean, it was just absolutely beyond. Yeah, it seriously, like Nick Offerman and uh, Murray Bartlett seriously knocked it out of the park on that. I feel like we're going to be talking about this episode for a very long, long time. Huh? See what I mm-hmm. did there? Um, ah. But it's... Like, the entire way that they play off of each other, especially in the beginning, and it culminating at that moment at the piano, which, what a song choice, and what a, yeah. like, choice of Linda Ronstadt, a certified gay icon. <laughs> and the, like, it, it, the fact that it's a song that is about, um, it that's about loneliness and love, and... The idea growing old together, which obviously in this episode is pretty core to what happens, but Mm -hmm. the way in which they both play it as far as like characterization is concerned, what for me was such a good example of writing because you have Frank who like tries to play it like really up tempo as if it has a little bit of swing to it. He's going a little too fast with it and Bill's like, no, 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 do not do that song, especially like that. And then when Bill plays it, you really, really understand how lonely this man is. And yeah. it, it, they get their entire cute moment, and it, it's beautiful. But, like, that scene is the first time that I cried <laughs> this episode. And yeah, obviously, it, so many. Did, it, it did not stop after that. Oh, my God. Uh, and then I do like that it um, it just kind of cuts to like them in the middle of a fight they've been together for multiple years um you know it's we really don't get to see that much of their relationship so i think they did a really phenomenal job of just showing us clips that really defined the characters really showed us um you know like what it is to make a commitment to someone Because if these people had met, you know, out in the world under normal circumstances, they may have never been together. And, you know, uh, just like what it means to make a commitment to someone and to be there for someone. And um, yeah, yeah. the I I think like one of my favorite things as far as uh, just like cute moments that because it's all care it's all character study this episode like the body of what happens with bill and frank for the most part does not impact the larger story except for just kind of what's left over at the end with the letter and the the letter's consequences but Mm -hmm. like the little moment that first fight frank is like i want to paint things i want our home to look nice and, like, I'm going to fix up some of the shops. And, like, he really ends with, I'm going to fix up that boutique. And, of course, the boutique is the place that they go to to go get their suits when they get married at the end. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of his first, like, wishes and things that he asked for was, I want to fix these things up and get them to look nice. And uh, the way that it comes full circle, the way that, like, that wit that which was one of his first wishes ended up being his last wish. Ugh. And yeah. It, and it, I mean, 
I feel like in a lot of relationships, you usually have one person who's a bit more practical and one person who's like the more creative one. And yeah, they all need the practical side and the guns and everything to keep them safe. But the reality is you also need to like feel like a person and a human who's like having a life worth living and make things look nice and take care of things because it's I mean it's just like important for your psyche yeah and I I think that one of the really important things that this episode does is we're still in the beginning of the overall show and it is a perfect foil for what they initially set up as Tess and Joel but I think is actually more accurately a really important foil between Ellie and Joel so, mm-hmm. it, like, you can equate Frank to Ellie, and obviously Bill is very one-to-one with Joel. Like, Bill and Joel yeah. are both extremely pragmatic. They're both the people that care a lot more about the minutia of situations. They're not going to show a lot of emotion. But with Frank and Ellie, or even Tess, like, you can see that Frank and Tess, the entire, like, uh friends over for dinner scene which was adorable like yeah. they're hitting it off they're the actual buds they leave their partners to go like talk amongst themselves at the table which like who hasn't been in that situation yeah um but ultimately speaking like the amount of like joy that frank exudes it reminds me a lot of ellie when she's making those discoveries about the actual world and like you can see joel opening up to ellie and Forgive me if I'm wrong on this, but it seems like the main thread of the story is Joel and Ellie and essentially Joel becoming a father again. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I guess it's time to talk about that letter now. But when he talks about like, uh, I'm also like what a really, you know, again, Ellie's not a, I don't know why I feel like some people online are acting like Ellie's an absolute psycho. She's clearly not. I mean, like, when she stops because he wrote down Tess's name. Um, But, you know, now she's Tess. And she's the thing that Joel has to protect. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about that part. uh, Like, also, uh, great job, Bella Ramsey, for (laughs) reading the... <laughs> I, I lost it at that, <laughs> that moment. That was so funny. The, um, go ahead. Yeah, no, like for me, the entire like build up to the letter of like you walk into the house and the food's still on the table. It's rotting. Mm-hmm. There's like dust everywhere. And for a moment, I remember I was watching and I was like trying to convince myself that somehow maybe Bill was still alive because I knew that Bill was supposed to be in the game. And I was going to be really, really sad if that happened, because obviously Bill really wanted to go with Frank. But the fact that we get the letter in that moment was such a, like, it was such a cathartic moment of like, yes, they, technically speaking, they got the happy ending, um, which the creators of the show have said, this is the idea of a happy ending in this world and what it looks like. Which I mean, is you know what? Even 
I don't even think it's in that world. I think even in the world we live in, like to grow old with someone that you love and like die on your own terms. I really don't see it getting much fucking better than that. Yeah. No. At the end of the day. So, you know, they got to have hot showers. They ate good food. They had good wine. Oh, oh that was like another detail I really like. Uh, he pulled, He pointed out like the Beaujolais wine, which Beaujolais is like, um, it's a French wine. It's not aged. So it's released every year, like at the same time. Um, and a lot of people bring it to Thanksgiving because it's released in November. So I just thought that was interesting. Like a thank, you know, just like they're so thankful for each other and oh, finding each other. I don't know if that was like necessarily the idea behind that, um, but it's not like a super common type of wine. So I feel like it, it probably was. I mean, it was the same wine that he had uh, when he showed up at the same time in the uh, okay i promised myself that i wouldn't cry during this taping um it was the same wine that they had when they first had their meal together so yeah that's what i mean so like that's kind of it's like a the i feel like they definitely pulled beaujolais out for that reason yeah like, they're having this meal with each other um and even though they don't realize it in that moment they're about to be so thankful for this uh. interaction and Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, Joel and Ellie, uh, going back to that. Uh, the wow. I I got to keep it collected. My gosh. Um. So one of the things that like you were very much pointing out correctly is like not only does when she reads Tessa's name, Ellie. I'm now talking about Ellie reading the suicide note. When she reads Tessa's name, it, does she stop and it gets handed off to Joel? And we don't really read the rest of the letter, but Ellie, all, Ellie's demeanor also changes overall, especially in the way that she acts towards Joel. She's no longer outwardly hostile. She is willing to go along because in that moment, it's not just this moment of like, I'm going to shut the fuck up because he's going to get sad. It also turns into. I now think I understand what he lost. Yeah, I mean, you know, to her, she doesn't necessarily know how long they've been together. We don't know until this episode that they've been together for, uh, seems like at least a decade, if not more. Yeah. So I think to read in this letter that somebody left their suicide letter, that he's talking about Tess, that, yeah, it just really occurs to her, like, this was not just his, like, business partner yeah. for other people to know how important she was to Joel. So, Ugh. yeah, just gave us, like, a little more insight into their relationship. The, <sighs> so sad. I, and then I, when he's, <laughs> like, my, you know, there's three rules, and the first one's we're never going to bring up Taz. Of course he's going to get brought up again. It's going to be so sad. <laughs> I'm, like... I can't with this show. I can't with this show. Everyone, like, I'm glad, like, at least I was prepared. Like, people, like, friends and other gamers had prepared me for the fact that this was going to be emotional. So I knew this was going to be a thing. But I feel so bad for, like, the people that walked into this being like, oh, I heard it's a video game adaptation, but that is really good. Let me check it out. And then 
get hit with this. Like, ugh, the writing's so good, and, like, the fact that the original creator is on this and is overseeing this, but also, like, the additions that were made for this episode, thematically how it ties itself together, and, like, Sure. The other thing that you could say is, like, they get the car. That, that is a big thing. They now have free transportation yeah. out of here. They have they the get, car. They have, like, supplies. Yeah. Like, th- that is big for the story. They have things that if they had in the beginning, Tess would not have died. Like, this is a major difference. He has what he needs to do. They can officially start their hero's journey. We're out of Act 1 now. Um, mm-hmm. But... That's all like that's a really simple beat. You get to a house, your friends are dead, but they left you their things. And that would not be impactful at all unless we went through what we just went through. So the Yeah, I mean it's oh. it just is like a testament to I, you know, creating a video game and the story for it, even though the story in the game is so good, you obviously like it's just not you're just not able to have all of these storylines because you would be making a movie, not a video game. Um, yeah. And so I'm so glad they are able to kind of f- flesh these beats out. You know, who knows if this is <clears throat> things that they've been thinking about for the last 10 years. Like, what if we could do this or like this or like this was a storyline? Um, I mean, to me, this is and it. If, forgive me if I'm wrong, but a lot of these, I, I'm pretty sure this is not one-to-one. I'm pretty sure Frank dies somehow in a completely different way in the game. But yeah, he, he uh, in the game, he gets infected and he kills himself. Oh. Yeah. But okay. it seems well, like, I, I'm glad and they then, got the happy and he has, no, no, no. <laughs> and he has a, it's, yeah, and it's not happy. There's a, he has like a suicide note. It seems like him and Bill were like fighting at the time. Like it's, oh. it sucks in a different way. Oh. So this is way, way better. Oh, okay. I'm so glad we got this as opposed to that then. Ah! The, yeah. And just to top it off, I'm going to leave us with one last uh, thing on how the episode closes. So everyone got very emotional on the internet that the, uh, the last shot was essentially the start game screen or the menu screen from the game of the open window that they left so that the house wouldn't stink that then looks out onto Joel and Ellie as they drive away. Um, which I know, and just the implication, you know, obviously you don't want to see them. They are a couple months into decomposing. Yep. But <laughs> the implication that, like, they're in that room just, like, holding each other forever god and and like potentially (laughs) watching over them as they leave uh but it's so be oh my god i I was like (laughs) i can make it worse (laughs) i can make it worse the tape that they picked up which you might go oh it's just a diegetic sound for us to listen diegetic chance for us to listen to this song again and be in our feels no it's not just that that was the only cassette in that car which means that the only cassette that they had in their car had their song, their couple song. Yeah. The song that solidified their relationship is the only cassette in that car. And that is now the only cassette that Joel and Ellie have as they start their adventure. <sighs> so. And it's like, you know, I, Joel and Ellie don't, they have no idea the meaning behind this song. You know, Joel's like, ooh, Linda Ronstadt. Like, 
And he's she's so obviously s- a popular singer with some great songs. And Ellie has no idea who she is. But it, you know, it kind of gives you that, oh, God, there's like a word in like French, I think. It's like so- the feeling you get when you see like other people living their lives or like when you look at a house and you think about like other people's lives going on inside that house. That is called Sonder. And it's like Sonder. There you go. And it's so it's like to them, it's just like a really nice song. And there's so many things everyone experiences throughout their life where they're like, oh, okay, cool. But that thing meant so much to someone else. And you'll just never know. Oh, my God. And on that, we're going to end this week's conversation. Please like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll see you in a week for episode four of... I I can't... If if they do this to me again, back to back, I'm going to be so upset. (gasps) Yeah, I'm imagining we'll be crying less. I think we'll get... God... (sighs) Scare me. Hopefully. Please, scare me this episode. I need I need a different <laughs> charged emotion. I don't want to be sad next episode. <sighs> we'll see you next week. This has been the return of the show. Hey, it's Ben here. Haven't done one of these in a while, but just a quick reminder that if you are following, go ahead and make sure you leave us a review on your favorite podcatcher of choice. It does help people find the show. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. It is where all of our content is, and we're really close to monetization. Thanks. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.